a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside sources here on KSL News Radio. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Great to be with you today. We've been uh, talking national leadership, and uh, now we're going to bring it down to the state level. Uh, obviously, we are in primary season uh, full on now until uh, June 30th. And I thought it would be a great time to bring in our friend Jason Perry from the Hinckley Institute of Politics at the University of Utah. Jason, thanks for joining us today. Glad to be with you, Boyd. Uh, as always, uh, you, you are the inside, inside source uh, when it comes to all things Utah politics. And uh, so I wanted to start breaking down a little bit as we get into this uh, primary season now. Uh, we have the uh, ballot is uh, almost set, I think, a little uh, uncertainty in terms of uh, if a uh, judge is going to put some other people on the ballot in the governor's race. But uh, let's focus on the, the first four candidates uh, on there. How do you see this race shaping up? Uh, over the next eight weeks. Well, this is just such an exciting time, Boyd. I mean, it's like this. We get ready for the convention. You know, it's like we're getting ready for some, you know, big events. You know, we're trying to decide what we want to have. But it's just so fun finally to have the menu set for us, for the Republicans, for the <laughs> Democrats. It's just, uh, you know, we're ready to start sitting down at the table and start figuring out what these candidates are all about. It's just such a fun time. Uh, it, it is. And so as you look at that, uh, we obviously did some polling last week uh, with you and the Deseret News and our good friend Scott Rasmussen. Uh, and as far as the, the likely GOP voters, uh, it's still a, a really tight race at the top, uh, close between uh, former Governor John Huntsman Jr. and... Uh, the current lieutenant governor, Spencer Cox, and then, of course, you've got uh, Thomas Wright and then the former speaker, Greg Hughes, in there. How do you see the dynamics of that race shaping up? Well, th this is going to be the, uh, the, the race to watch, I think, here, because we have such big names uh, for uh, for this position uh, that people know very well. But what I think is also so interesting is that we have s such a, a broad spectrum of possibilities from the more moderate candidate to the more conservative candidate. So, I, you know, we have seen historically in Utah that, that the, the person that wins in the primaries will not, not lately been the person that comes out on top necessarily at, at the convention uh, because it's a little more moderate than the delegates have been. But we're going to, that is going to set the stage for us to see uh, where Utah is, where the Republicans in Utah are in this primary, because this is the first time when you have true a true range of possibilities. Uh, if you're on the moderate side, you've got a candidate. If you're conservative, you've got a candidate. 
So this is going to be interesting to see where uh, Republicans in Utah are. Yeah, the the, the lanes are really going to be fascinating uh, between each of those. Uh, I, I thought uh, Speaker Hughes obviously did very well with the delegates, uh, came in second there behind the lieutenant governor. Uh, and that was his only path to the ballot. He chose not to get signatures, so uh, he had a lot of pressure going into the convention over the weekend. Uh, how do you think he's going to try to position himself? He's obviously uh, the closest to the Trump administration of the four candidates. Uh, has had a lot of interaction there and has played to that side. Is that where he tends to go, do you think, during the, uh, during the primary? I think that is entirely where he goes and where he stays. His message to the delegates and what I think is going to be his message uh, to the primary voters is uh, is essentially the Trump message. And it's, uh, it's time to get this economy uh, humming again, uh, get the restrictions out of the way and start uh, – and start getting people back to work. I think that is the message that he gave at the convention, and he did very well there at at convention. And I think that is going to be his primary message going forward. When you say which candidate is closer to the the Trump administration, uh, he he claims it, and I think he's going to keep using it uh, from now all the way through the primary. Yeah, and so where do you think that uh, that positions uh, Thomas Wright? Thomas Wright and his uh, running mate, of course, is current representative uh, Rob Bishop in the 1st District and uh, also quite conservative there. But what lane do they end up playing together, Thomas Wright and Rob Bishop? Yeah, well, th- this is where the, the intrigue uh, just really starts uh, because you have to start looking at this one really about uh, which uh, which candidate can rob votes from uh, which, which other candidate. And there's there's risk there uh, on the farther right end of the spectrum for uh, Thomas Wright and Greg Hughes to steal votes from each other. And uh, the same is on the other end, really, with, with Spencer Cox and with, with John Huntsman. Uh, I, I, it's a matter of, I, I think, a matter of not, a, not huge numbers uh, by, uh, for who wins in this one. But I really think that that's what these candidates have to be concerned about, Thomas Wright in particular, because he he's card space there uh, on the more conservative end of the spectrum as well. And so he's going to have to not just fend off uh, Greg Hughes, but he is going to also have to try to get some votes from those moderates. Uh, he's been able to, to do some of that already. Um, wasn't quite the outcome he wanted in the convention, but I think he set the stage well for himself. Yeah, very fascinating. Uh, if you're just joining us, we've got uh, Jason Perry uh, from the Hinckley Institute of Politics at the University of Utah joining us. And uh, he's always our tag team partner uh, with the Deseret News and Scott Rasmussen in polling each month. And we've been talking a lot about the leadership uh, side of the equation of this in terms of what we want in a leader in today's environment. We did some polling around that. Uh, and, uh, and that was kind of an interesting thing in terms of who would you want to lead in a crisis and interestingly enough, uh, John Huntsman uh, led out there with about 26%, and then uh, there was he had an over-double-digit lead there uh, over the LG in terms of the leadership quotient and crisis. What does that say about the uh, state of the electorate rolling into this primary? Well, it means that uh, the people are, are defaulting to names they know uh, and people that they trust. Uh, and, and that, that has come certainly for John Huntsman, uh, based on his time as, as governor. Uh, he left as a very popular governor as well. And, and Utah saw him leading, um, then in a significant way, and they trust him to do it again. Uh, uh, climbing that ladder, of course, is Spencer Cox, who has been, um, the key face of the, the COVID-19 response on behalf of the state. And, uh, you know, uh, John Huntsman has statewide name recognition. 
um, this uh, this pandemic and the efforts of Spencer Cox have put him on that stage, and people are starting to know who he is. And I think that's why he did so well there also. And really, none of the other candidates have been able to claim that one. I believe it is a key factor, though, Boyd, because Utahns are very, very worried about their jobs and about their families, about being able to provide. And I think this will be a central question for the candidate that wins, is who can effectively lead us out of this? And I think that's an important question that was on that poll that uh, you and I helped do. Yeah, I I, uh, I wanted to get uh, just real quick from you. Uh, any other any other little subsets or, or conversations you think we should be watching uh, as this debate really heats up? And I, I suspect things are going to uh, get a little more loud and a little more uh, a little more back and forth, a little more engaged, I think, as uh, as both people start to emerge from their caves, uh, but also as these uh, candidates and their campaigns start to really push forward towards that late June primary. What are some of the other issue areas? that you're, you've got your eye on that maybe voters uh, aren't watching just yet? Well, I'm, I'm still going to start with, it is still the top one, it's still this, this economy, uh, without question. I think the next thing we're going to start hearing people talk, talk about for these candidates is the plan for education. Uh, st- starting with the fact that so many people are wondering what's going to happen with the school years going forward, and then do we really get back to, to school and public education the way it's been historically uh, in any event? I think there's going to be a call for the governor to start weighing in on that particular issue. And, uh, you know, a lot of technology uh, has been put into place right now that's probably going to change how education is done going forward. Uh, that's what we're not talking about very much. But they think the candidates need to be prepared to start talking about that. All right. Fantastic. Jason Perry, always appreciate your insight from the Hinckley Institute of Politics up at the University of Utah. And uh, we'll look forward to having you on again real soon. Uh, I think we have a, uh, a hot and heavy uh, seven and a half weeks to go here. So we'll, uh, we'll talk to you real soon. Sounds great, boy. Thanks as always. All right. Again, that's Jason Perry from the Hinckley Institute of Politics. Uh, again, great political mind, uh, great inside sources there as well. Uh, we'll continue to follow that. All right. We're going to go ahead and step aside for our bottom of the hour news break. Uh, stay with us. When we come back, we're going to talk about how to lead from the future. My conversation with Mark Johnson. You don't want to miss this. Stay here on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.